Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 102. So I think the only thing I've learned about coronavirus is that all the information at this point is still garbage. The numbers, <laughs> the numbers are garbage. The plans to reopen the economy are garbage. And our knowledge still of what drugs are effective and which antibody tests are effective, it's, it's all just garbage. And yet, at the same time, everywhere I look, I see certainty. I'm seeing both sides look at the same information and they're drawing opposite conclusions. And it was one thing to see that kind of diametrically opposed interpretation about political issues. But, you know, I guess I'm so naive, I did not expect to see the same evidence used to confirm two polarized narratives, to confirm opposite interpretations. For example, last week, de Blasio, the mayor of New York, started counting some of the DOAs in the death count for coronavirus. These are people who died before they could get tested, but they had all the symptoms and, you know, they died at home or before they could get to a hospital. One side, I guess the team blue side, for want of a better word at this point, the team that says we should all still stay inside, said... Look, this is proof. This is evidence that the deaths are underreported. The deaths are undercounted. This is a much worse problem than we think it is. And so that means we have to stay inside. <laughs> and then you have, you know, Team Red, I guess, or the people who think that we need to open up the economy right now. They looked at it and they said, look, Guys, this is proof that this is a conspiracy. They are artificially inflating the numbers. These people were never tested, and yet they're counting them among the dead. The numbers are all lies. Or the nursing home deaths. I think they're now saying that something like 7,000 of the deaths are in nursing homes. And again, you know... The stay inside people are like, we have to protect the elderly. This is what happens when lots of people are in close quarters. It spreads like wildfire. Everyone who is exposed to these people, the healthcare workers, the aid workers, they are all at high risk. This is unjust. This is so dangerous. We have to stay inside. And then Team Red looks at the same data, at the same death toll, and they say, Elderly people in nursing homes are really sick. They die all the time. They have all these other comorbidities. And yet you're ascribing, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back might be coronavirus, but you can't give it credit for all these deaths. These people are already at death's door. And by the way, we can isolate them and still open up the economy. Or what's the other great example? It's, uh, it's the drug remdesivir. So there was a leaked report out of a Chicago study that said remdesivir could be really effective. And again, both sides took this rumor and interpreted it as in favor of their side. And so, you know, Team Red, <laughs> Team Red said, great, 
we have a solution. We have a treatment. Now we can go outside. And then Team Blue, the stay inside team, basically said, well, we may have a solution, but we have to ramp production. So that means we all need to stay inside to give them time to make more pills. And then there was some pushback that said, well, maybe this study was not as conclusive as people thought. And then again, both sides interpreted that favorably as well. You know, Team Red was saying, well, you know, there is no solution coming for a long time, and that means we can't wait around forever, so we have to go back outside and start up the economy. And then Team Stay Inside was, well, if there's no treatment, that means we need to stay inside more than ever. So as far as I can tell, it doesn't matter what the data or what evidence comes forward, both sides seamlessly can interpret it as favoring their cause. And at this point, you know, the data, again, is still really bad. It's still garbage, right? We don't have enough tests. We are still testing predominantly very sick people, which can skew the numbers. The tests that have been done randomly have not been well controlled. We don't have enough masks. We don't know if masks should be worn necessarily. So there's enormous uncertainty. We're in the fog. And that makes it, I think, very easy, again, for anyone with a preconceived notion to reinforce it with any evidence at all. And isn't that the essence of postmodernism, where there is no truth, where there is no certainty, there's only narrative? Both sides see the risk as existential. The stay inside team says going outside is an existential risk, and the going outside team says staying inside and keeping the economy shut down for another month, another two months, that is also an existential risk. Both of them literally see the advice of the other side as being existentially dangerous. You know, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. Because I don't think it's possible to change the mind of either side. I think both teams are so entrenched in what they believe that any attempt to convince them is useless. And why? Well, I think one really important reason is that on both sides, the, the, the authorities, the, the experts, the people that are listened to, They've lied so often that their credibility is shot, and they're only going to be believed by the people already on their team. Look, you want people to believe anything that you say ever? Don't lie. You can be wrong. We're all wrong most of the time. You can admit mistakes, but don't lie. Don't lie. Not a white lie. Don't lie for their own good. Don't lie because you know better. You will destroy any trust that they have in you forever. So we're at a point where every institution on both sides of this debate has lost all credibility, probably forever, with the other side. And it's gotten so bad, both sides hear an argument or, or just a fact from the other side. And it's not just that they don't believe the argument. It's not just that they don't believe the fact. They proactively believe the opposite. Think about that for a second. This means that, uh, I don't know, CNN could say 
the earth revolves around the sun. And the right would say, aha, proof, proof that the sun revolves around the earth. And and on the other side, Fox News could say, the sun is, is hot. And the left would crow and say, I knew it, I knew it, proof that the sun is cold. And so I think where I'm coming out right now, and hopefully I'm wrong, is that there's no good workable path forward because you have two teams entrenched who believe opposite things and see the other side as an existential risk. We're in this blind alley that forks, but both forks lead to a brick wall. And it's hard to look back and say when we missed our chance. And maybe it was after 9-11, when George W. Bush told us to go shopping. Worst advice ever. And maybe, I don't know, it was after the 2008 great financial crisis when, when we rushed to bail out Goldman Sachs and we let individual mortgage holders go fuck themselves. Worst save ever. And so where are we? We're a nation without a leader, without the ability to communicate, without common values, without a sense of shared purpose. We're divided by class and race and deep moral disagreement. And the people and the institutions that we were supposed to be able to trust, they have all failed us. They've all failed. They've all lied. You know, here's something else I was thinking about. I tend to admire Bill Gates. I think it's been pretty remarkable what he's done trying to solve disease. But something that he says, and it's something that I see a lot of very rich people say, kind of smugly, and it really rubs me the wrong way, is they say something like, when I want to get smart on a topic, I just talk to the smartest people on that topic. I talk to the world-leading experts. And that always sounded really smart. It's like, oh, wow, you know, he can get the best people together and talk about this stuff. And then I started thinking about what that means. Because how does he know who the best people in a field are? How do you identify the experts in a field that you don't understand? Do you simply defer to authority? Do you just talk to the people who have climbed the political ladder in that field? Do you just talk to the people who have won all the awards? And maybe those processes are corrupt. And maybe you have a sort of, you know, citation ring that promotes orthodoxy and, and ignores or dismisses the truth, which is often heterodox. I look back and I say, you know, science progresses one funeral at a time. There was a time when the people who believed in plate tectonics were ridiculed. And that's the norm, right? That's, that's the norm. And so if Bill Gates was trying to understand earthquakes at a certain time and he talked to the, quote, best people, everyone would have told him that plate tectonics was a myth. If he had talked to the best people at the wrong time, they would have told him that ulcers were caused by stress, but certainly not by bacteria. If you don't understand a topic really well to start, you're very easily fooled. And now, with the internet, we all expect to be able to become instant experts. We all think we're Bill Gates. We all think we can 
Google or DuckDuckGo a question, do an hour's worth of research, and be the expert, right? I mean, in the last few weeks, how many people have become expert epidemiologists? How many people have increased their certainty on these insanely complicated topics to a level of of arrogance, of sheer arrogance? I mean, experts, I think, are not the people who step forward and say, this is how it is. I think that's the domain of the arrogant. And I think a true expert is humble before all else. He, he talks about the problems in his field. He talks about ranges of outcomes rather than trying to be precise. I think the true expert tries to shun certainty. And everywhere I look, I see the opposite. The least actual information and the most certainty about something that everyone sees as an existential threat. Only the existential threats are diametrically opposed. And that's a crazy, fragile situation. That's all I've got. Hopefully, I will catch you next week.